Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Picks and Trips into the Kiss and Cry podcast. I'm Billy. This is Cody. And uh, we're here. It's... What are we at? It's the May long weekend. May 19th. Woohoo! Yay! Some beautiful weather outside. Not a lot of skating going on on TV at the moment, or, you know, <laughs> competition-wise. Actually, that's a lie. I shouldn't say that. That's wrong. Right now in Obertsdorf, they're doing the ISU Adult World Figure Skating Competition. Um, probably one of the highlights that we'll find afterwards will be Mr. Gary Beacom, uh, former Canadian champion who's out there uh, just really living his best life and seeming to enjoy himself. Um, so yeah, not a lot of big skating news, but there has been some updates on the, uh, the, the upcoming season. And we've got our Junior Grand Prix events uh, that are coming up. Uh, Cody, you've been on the Junior Grand Prix circuit. Yes, I have. Uh, tell me tell me a little bit about your experience with uh, the Junior Grand Prix. Well, I mean, it's definitely an eye-opener, especially when you're that young and first big international competition, right? Um, so it's, it's great seeing all these different um, people and pairs from other countries that you wouldn't normally see. Um, and it's it's really nice to see like oh where you stand, like compared to everyone else. Yeah, so kind of getting a feeling for big big stage competition, um, but on a world level, and at an appropriate developmental level. Usually, and this is the case. You know, you're you're skating against people who should be in the same uh, same ballpark as you, but. I mean, we've we've all seen the events. Sometimes they're not quite like that. They are very large events too. Um, yeah, usually. I mean, I think I went to one that was actually a smaller event. It was it was in Russia, right? So you need visas to get there, and um, I don't think many people wanted to go to that one either. Um, it was one. I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately. It was very high in caliber. Um, so I I was just like in awe of like everyone there. Like they could have been all senior ready. And then there was me and my partner who we were just like still sucking our thumbs. <laughs> well, I mean, you you guys I remember working with you guys at that point and it was it was a big step into junior for you guys and it was a great opportunity to go out and, and to learn and and to cut your teeth and see what it was like. Um, but I think a lot of events are like that. I think a lot of skating events, there's the top end and then as you work your way down the standings, there's people who, I mean, they have some things that they absolutely have to work on. Um, I mean, not all countries are as fortunate as Canada or, you know, some of the other, like, strong powerhouse countries in the world to have as much access to ice, quality coaching, quality experience, like, even... Even just the numbers, right? I mean, Um, we have a lot of skaters in this country, and I, I think we get better... Not just based on sheer numbers, but based on the you know the probability that we find one really great skater. Um, I mean, you could you could say probably the same thing for Spain, uh, or sorry, the the opposite for Spain. I mean, they got one really great skater in Javier Fernandez, um, with a, probably a lower enrollment. But you find those skaters, I think, because it's culturally um, active. It's something that people are doing a lot of. And then you you know you can nurture those skaters with all the opportunities that surround them. Um, so it's it's a great opportunity at that junior level to get out there and, and see what uh, what the rest of the world is like firsthand. Oh yeah, for sure. 
I mean, we've all watched stuff. We've all watched. <laughs> I can remember competing in senior men and going, I know what Jeff Buttle's like. I know what Emmanuel Sanders like. I, but being there, you, you get near a practice with them and go, never mind. Yeah, this is very different. They're like, it's a very different feeling being there for sure, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I remember um, one of the biggest things was I would just sit there and just like gawk. I was like, whoa, like my eyes were wide open and I was like flabbergasted and I probably did that a bit too much because I did have to compete <laughs> but it was just such an eye opener yeah I mean there, there's um, there's a lot of really talented kids who are probably senior ready um, but because of the age restriction on junior Grand Prix um, you know they're giving them time to grow to experience things and not feel like they're rushing into a senior event I mean, for the first time, because some of these kids, like, I mean, you look at Steven Gogolev, Alyssa Liu, they're, you know, if you were to thrust them right into those things, they might have their little meltdown, and it might be the end of their career. Whereas if they can work their way through um, with people who are their own age, I mean, you think about the, the amount of time that you could spend for for Alyssa, as an example, at 13 years old, <laughs> and then... You know, her, her, the, the girls she's competing against are 17, 18, 19, into their 20s. I mean, then Carolina Coster, who was, uh, you know, 30. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about such a wide age range. You might socially feel like you don't belong there. And then you kind of become this outcast, this outlier um, in, in, those, in those experiences. So I think it's good that they, they feel like they can grow up with, you know, their generation of skaters and feel you know maybe a little bit more like they can connect socially and I think that social connection helps them uh, just feel like they have a friend even if they're not like training with them every day but to have somebody that they understands like the stress or the pressure that they're going through because there's friendships that are formed in those oh yeah for sure in those traveling events, like when you when you're going places, you you meet people for the first time. You you know that on that circuit you're going to meet them again, and it, I think it's helpful to know that you're not the only one. Oh yeah, definitely, and uh, it's a little confidence booster too. You know, um, you're competing against not the big names yet. I mean, still high level of skating, mm-hmm. but you're not competing against the big names yet. It's a little bit like, okay, I could do this, right? Um, get your feet under you for those big internationals and um, something to look forward to. Great learning experiences to be had, I think, through all of them. Um, we've checked the the uh, ISU website, and they've just recently posted the, uh, the Grand Prix for this season. Uh, and we're going to be kicking off with events in late August. So Cody and I have got some bookmarking to do on our calendars to sit down before uh, a couple of events and talk about where we think some of these uh, these results are going to come out. Um, I mean, there's there's going to be some names that we recognize. Well, definitely, like like Gogolev, Liu, um, Trusova, um, Sasha Bakova. Yeah, yeah that's it. I mean, and then there's um, then then there's like getting into the pairs and the dance, and and obviously some Canadian names we recognize as Canadian skating, um, but but also some names that we've become aware of when you watch the Junior Grand Prix or watch the results. You go, 
I've seen these guys around before. <laughs> so uh, August will be fun uh, just to get it back into the swing of, of making some, some predictions. And I think that's always... I know I enjoy it. And uh, I assume that Cody enjoys it. That's why yeah, he's well, here. We've been doing this for a few years now. A few years. We haven't done it with the juniors, though. Maybe not with you. I think I've done it with the other guys. You, yeah, there's there's been a pile of those pair boys. Where <laughs> I, I think it's also pertinent for you guys on the junior level because they were also people, those were your, your social circle. Those were the people that you would meet when you travel, right? So I think that'll um, that'll be interesting. But we're kicking it off in uh, in August. On the 21st will be the uh, the first event in Courcheval, France. That's a pretty typical first stop for the uh, the Grand Prix season. I don't I don't think they um, move where that particular one is, but I always seem to remember France is usually the first stop on their uh, on their circuit. I don't remember that <laughs> much. Um, I know France is usually a stop they hit on the junior and senior circuit. Yeah. They uh, they certainly got some places they like to go for uh, for those events. Um, but uh, as Cody and I were talking about before, they they like to mix it up every now and then, and you get uh, you get some new places, and I think it's also it's 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 a great opportunity to travel for uh, for young people for for coaches just to get to see a little bit more of the world. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so after that, they're going to Lake Placid. Um, we'll get a whole new crew of skaters going into Lake Placid. Well, we're gonna assume. I mean, sometimes they do back to back junior Grand Prix. They like to get them out of the way early in the season. It depends on the skater, the experience level, you know, their their coach's insight, I'm sure, and their federation's insight as to what's going to make the most sense. Um, Sometimes even it's just they only have two entries and that's the only two competitions, right? It uh, Yeah, it, it makes it tough to, uh, to figure out where. I know um, one of the coaches that we've worked with um, was working with pairs uh, about... I want to say 10 years ago, but maybe maybe a little less than that. And I remember he, he went to Europe and literally traveled for a month and was meeting kids at the airport uh, from from the first event, like sending some off and picking some up and, and <laughs> you know, going off to the next event um, and traveled around Europe for a month uh, just hitting off these, these pair competitions because the pair... The pair events actually run less than the singles and the dance events. Singles yes. and dance events run at every event. The pairs, there's a select few where the, they will actually be competing. Yeah, so there's uh, seven Junior Grand Prix, and I believe only four of them have pairs. Something to be said about the state of pairs in, this, in like worldwide, not just Canada, like we were talking about uh, on our last episode. Um, you know, the... Uh, and that's always kind of been the case. It hasn't been uh, a full slate of pairs going to, to every event. So I think they're trying to make sure that the event is full, that they've got uh, you know a reasonable number of pairs to hold the competition, and that you know we're not having an event with like four four teams and yeah. spreading them out and then trying to figure out who's got the most points to go to the Grand Prix final. Well, I'm making sure it stays competitive too, right? I mean. It is for development, but they don't want just anyone showing up to these, right? Because then it gets discouraging sometimes, or... Um, from a pair standpoint, yes, because from a development standpoint, you want it to be competitive, but you also want it to be safe. Yeah. Um, 
I do know that there's been a number of countries over the years that have sent entries in uh, in singles that have not not been nearly as strong as the event. <laughs> and that I'm sure could have been a little bit defeating when those, those skaters arrived at the competition with their coach. Um, but I do know that in, in with pairs, there's definitely a safety factor uh, that you want to have considered. And I don't think that too many people enter into a pair event um, willy-nilly. Yeah. I, there, there's a lot of danger that can be, you know, and damage that can be done if you're not prepared and you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, for sure. I mean, little little side story. Um, you mentioned that law. Some countries like to send teams, not teams, but skaters, mm-hmm. um, that quite aren't quite at par with the level they're looking at. Um, I remember a story of someone. T- India sent a boy. Um, he was a roller skater. Mm-hmm. That was. The, the day before the competition was his first day on skates. He learned how to skate right before the competition. Well, to be fair, he learned how to skate on ice. Yes. But it's a very, very different feeling going from roller skates to figure skates. And, yeah, I mean, the, I, there's, there's, there's been a few stories over the years. Um, I remember seeing a video of uh, a young lady entering a junior Grand Prix I, th- I believe it was one of the first ones of the season, and I can't remember the country she came from. And this this young lady skated with a lot of enthusiasm, and she was skating to, I believe it was like Britney Spears' Toxic for her short program, <laughs> and attempted a single axle, attempted a double sow. Uh, I can't remember what her other jumping pass was. Um, and And it just didn't look, like the same kind of experience it looked like a very enthusiastic star skater from like Canada <laughs> and there's there's a very large gap between our recreational star skaters and our the the kids that we send to international competitions like that in Canada yeah so i mean it was really great to see that there was this country was invested in trying to get her there. I'm sure they spent a lot of money and they probably did a lot of fundraising to get her there. <laughs> I, I felt a little bit bad because I don't think that they fully understood the gravity of what it was going to look like being there. And this was back, I think, when Medvedeva was like a junior lady. Oh, yeah. So we had a little girl, you know, the, the girl who won, if I'm not mistaken, was like a Russian girl with like triplets, triple toe combinations yeah. all over her all over her event so yeah um yeah good for development um it's helpful when the federation is fully aware of what they're sending this poor child into yeah um so yeah they go on from lake placid into september uh they've got events in riga latvia they'll be going to russia uh, gdansk poland and croatia through september uh for events four through or two through six and then they're going to Italy um, in early October, and that's when the Junior Grand Prix season ends for so many skaters. Yes. For uh, so many skaters. And then there's a big delay. There's almost like a two-month gap after that uh, as they wait for the Senior Grand Prix to finish up. And then they've now started doing Junior Grand Prix and Senior Grand Prix at the same event. Yes. They used to do them separately, and they've decided that they're going to start holding them all together um, so the event lasts a little bit longer throughout the course of the week, um, but they'll be going. Uh, they'll be going back to Italy 
into Torino for the Grand Prix final in early December. Yes. Um, I think that's great, though, that they put it together. It's like you get to see what senior competition's like, you know, because you would assume the juniors that make the junior Grand Prix final, they'll be doing senior Grand Prix or doing those senior international competitions. Within a year or two, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like a, it's a good way to see what you look, you're looking forward to, right? What you should expect. It's a, it's a great opportunity, as you said, to, to sit around and gawk once you're done. <laughs> say, yeah. oh, wow, look at that. Um, I think it's also interesting to note, I mean, while there are slight scoring differences between junior and senior, to see technically, comparatively, like, am I ready? Am I, am I going to be ready? Because I've certainly seen, at times, some of the top junior skaters are able to score just as much as some of the top senior skaters. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, like, their, their technical content, their ability, and the fact that they are among the best juniors in the world doesn't deny that they're probably not among the best in the world, period. <laughs> um, so that's kind of exciting to, uh, to see. We'll know a little bit more about entry lists. Um, w- with these events, the selection process, because it's about development, sometimes involves skaters we haven't seen on a, on a junior Grand Prix or a junior circuit yet. Um, so there's a lot of scouting that's being done early at this point in the year to try and figure out who's going where. And they might not even give us a full entry list for all the events by the time we even hit Courcheval. Um, oh, definitely not. They, you know, they kind of leave some, some open-ended things because there have been surprises. Um, kids who win their first event um, have an opportunity, if they can win another one, to score enough points to make the Junior Grand Prix final. So I think sometimes federations like to see how some of these new skaters fared and figure out, who am I really, like, what What horse do I want to back right now? Yeah, I mean, they they definitely do that a lot, uh, seeing how results go first and then seeing which teams they want to send where. Um, I know that's one thing that happened to me as well. Um, we were slated for two. We didn't do quite, we didn't do well at all our first Junior Grand Prix. So we kind of got swapped with another team they were looking at for a second one. I don't blame them. Um... But that happens. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, it's part of it is, is prize money. Part of it is uh, prize money for the skater. Yeah. Uh, but it's also um, opportunity to re- retain placements or, or places for skaters to go to the next, you know, the next season's events. So they're, they're trying yeah, to make well, sure. The, the entries are based off of Junior Worlds. Right. But they're trying to give them but, the most exposure yes. to get an opportunity to have kids ready for Junior Worlds when they come around in late February, early March. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and make sure that they've figured out who the best of their best is at that point and say, okay, all right, these are the kids we're sending because we need those spots for next year. We need to make sure that we've got kids in all four disciplines, that we can get as many opportunities as we can to, you know, to keep getting this exposure for our young and de- young and developing athletes, so uh, that'll be exciting. Um, like I said, late August, uh, we're going to start doing some homework. Um, as I was flipping through the calendar, Cody, <laughs> I found some fun stuff. Some of it is just fun. Some of it is just um, is is a little bit more heartfelt and a little bit more interesting. Uh, but 
you told me that you'd heard about this one before, but in December, uh, there's an event called the Santa Claus Cup. Now, I forgot to write down where it was, but there's a Santa Claus Cup, and that just makes me giggle. I um, believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's Hungary. That sounds about right, if, I, if my memory is jogging as fast as I think it is. It could be going <laughs> a little slow. Um, but yeah, so the Santa Claus Cup uh, amuses me just in name alone. Um, and then there's another one that's going to be, I believe it's going to be the first year because I don't see how it could have happened in <laughs> previous years. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be holding in uh, Kazakhstan uh, the Dennis Ten Memorial event uh, from October 10th to 13th. Um, as as uh, skating fans, you might be aware that Dennis Ten uh, was murdered. And so as a, you know, former Olympic medalist, world medalist, and a, you know, great ambassador for the country of Kazakhstan, uh, they've decided to uh, have a memorial competition with his name on it. Um, I don't know if this was previously just another event that they've renamed, or if this is a new event in honor of him. Um, But nice to see the, uh, the recognition of a great skater. Uh, who certainly left a little stamp on on the sport. Um, I always really enjoyed him. I found him and he and Patrick were very, very similar. Uh, he just didn't seem to have the technical consistency that Patrick had. Yeah, um, great skaters, great knees, beautiful to watch. Um, like you said, he has moments where he would find his feet uh, at the end of jumps and it worked out great, but too many times he couldn't find it and it was... Hard to watch sometimes, because he always gave his heart. He was a a brilliant skater. I think if there was going to be somebody who could rival Patrick with the the class, the grace, the style, the control of his edges, I mean, you would put him in that class of skater. Um, And and technically, he he had the content, just never, uh, not never, but wasn't able to consistently produce it. He was on the podium in 2013 uh, at the World Championships there. He was on the podium in Pyeongchang. Yeah. Or not Pyeongchang, uh, in Sochi. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, and so, I mean, d- did a great service for his country as, as a an athlete, as a representative. And uh, Yeah, you know, definitely put uh, Kazakhstan on the map. And now um, we're starting to see He made the Dennis and Ten, uh, Dennis Ten Friends show which was basically a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly has made some friends uh, with Caitlin and Andrew uh, deciding that they were going to skate to a piece that he had uh, skated to that they really, really enjoyed and they you know honored him as well this year. So uh, really cool. Uh, looking forward to, you know what, that'll be one that maybe I'll just poke my head in when, uh, when the time <laughs> comes and see, see who's there and who's going because I think that'll be an interesting choice um, of, of an event to, to hit if that, uh, that is in, in fact something that's on, uh, different federations, uh, radars yeah. for, for developing, uh, their senior athletes. But, uh, but we'll see about that. All right. We're going to take a quick break, slug some water, and we'll be back to talk about some lady quads. Okay, and we're back in with uh, with lady quads. <laughs> lady quads—they're becoming uh, becoming more and more regular. I want to say almost a norm. 
I mean, not quite, but still, yeah, definitely we're seeing it a lot. Yeah, uh, I was I was just reading an article about Alyssa Liu uh, on Sports Sports Illustrated. I showed that to you. I don't know if you caught the quote from uh, Tara Lipinski, uh, but she said, you know, the, the, the roof has been blown off of ladies' figure skating. Like, for years, it's been the same. Uh, 1978, Denise Bielman with the, the first triple lutz by a lady. And they really, I mean, there's been a few outliers. Yeah, we've had a few triple axles here and there. Tanya, um, Tanya Harding, uh, Sash Cohen was at one point trying quads. Trying, uh, yeah, the Sal. Uh, Mao Asada with the triple axle for yeah. a while there. Um, but now it's, it's, there's a little pack. There's a little pack of them that are just ready to, to take lady skating to a different, uh, you know, a different level. Um, like technically there's going to be so much more content that I think it's, we're going to see a, a massive shift in ladies figure skating. I hope so. Um, so there's, there's Alyssa Liu with her triple axle and yes. we've seen, uh, several videos of a quad Lutz. Uh, yeah. She's, she's rocking those out in practice. Uh, Elizabeth Turnitzbaeva. I, I believe I've seen Alyssa do quad flip or toe as well. Yeah, the I mean, I'm sure she's probably working on as many of them as she can handle yeah. at 13 years old. Yeah. Um, although uh, the the other interesting comment was that she can't do sow. It's just not her jam to figure out the uh, the quad sow. Yeah, that was one of the quotes in that article you showed me. Yeah. The Sports Illustrated article. Nice to see that we're getting some more recognition out in the sports universe it's it's great uh it's great press for figure skating uh it's exciting for figure skating hopefully having this young um these these young pack of kids that are coming out uh with all this huge technical content creates a draw creates some interest for for people outside of the sport to kind of come in and get a great look at what a, an amazing sport it is where we balance artistry and this amazing <laughs> athletic technical, you know, ability. Um, so yeah, I mean, she's, she's got the lots. I'm sure she's working hard to make sure that's ready for the season. Um, triple axles are pretty common. Her and Rika. Um, I know Rika had, I read an article where she was talking about wanting to model her quads off of Yuzu Ruhanyu, her fellow countryman. Yeah. And uh, just talking about how effortless he is with them. So I fully expect to see something more than the triple axel from Rika Kihara um, come the fall when we see her again in uh, the Senior Grand Prix. Um, Elizabeth Turnitzbaeva, the um, Kazakhstan skater uh she, she was training with brian yeah she's gone over and she started training with the russians yeah we've seen tri- we've seen triple axel we've seen her complete a quad sal in competition now yeah um so there's there's yet another one who falls into that great pack and then Eteri has like six little russian girls <laughs> Yes, um, I saw on Instagram that their count was now up to six of them that are doing quads, and I thought, that's crazy. That mostly that they're all packed in there. Um, if you were going to pick a Canadian woman to join this pack, who would you say 
Would you say that we've seen her already, or is is this going to be a little bit of a wait, or is it somebody we haven't seen yet? I mean, we do have some good ones coming up, that young good ones. Um, the novice champion, I'm completely forgetting her name right now. Um, she was pretty promising. She had a triple-triple, I believe, a novice. Yeah, yep. I don't have a triple-triple yet. Well, I mean, I can kind of do one, but I wouldn't <laughs> say it's pretty. Um, but I mean, if I were to say anyone right now, I would go with, um, Sarah Tamora. She's a small, she's small, mm-hmm. um, has she's a good, BC. yeah, good yeah. tight rotation. Um, and yeah, like you said, she's out in BC with Joanne McLeod, um, who's, she's, she's had experience working with kids with quads, exactly. Emmanuel, um, uh, Kevin Reynolds. Uh, so I, she understands the technical content as a coach, how to get that to her skater. I wonder if they're already pushing that boundary or if Sarah developmentally is still working on some other things. Because Sarah Tamora was one of those kids that uh, when we talked nationals, before we had even sat down for this, <laughs> I had Sarah in my top five. And things didn't pan out the way that I expected on that event. But she was one of those kids that I keep seeing and going, she's going to break out. She I mean, she had that kind of success a bit two years ago, I believe, uh, where she did make a top five. Mm-hmm. I believe she came fourth. Um, but she did make the top five, and she's been the kind of go-to on the junior circuit kind of a bit before that. Always, if we could send one, she'd be always the one. Right. right? Um, so I think there's some potential there. Um, like I said, I don't know if she'll have it. Um, I mean, it, there's there's one thing to say, like, that was the one that I figure might get there, but I, I, it's another thing to actually have have it seen. Um, I, I'm just not sure we've seen the one who's going to have it yet. I feel like we don't have somebody young enough, because part of what happens with young kids is they don't know any better. <laughs> they just don't know any better. The older you get, the more you, you start to understand what's going to happen. And when you understand what's going to happen, specifically with learning a jump and falling, you become a lot more tentative. Yes, definitely, 100%. The not nice way to say it is young kids aren't that bright. <laughs> but what's brilliant about them is that they just don't know that they're breaking boundaries. Like yeah, they, they're just completely unaware. So oh. they're they're sometimes very happy to go for it because they're not scared. They just go, yeah, all right, I'll do it. Sure, I'll do what you tell me to do, and they go out and they figure it out. Go I think that's go- kind of where Atari's getting all these kids from. Oh yeah, for sure. Starts them young. Starts them with the right technique. Very young. Very pushing. Like, yes, and then they they don't know any better by the time they're you know ten and they're rocking triple jumps, and then someone flashes four fingers and says, "Go do a quad." They go, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's the next logical step. You wouldn't ask me if I wasn't ready for it, right? Um, <laughs> although I'm sure, you know, I'm sure a couple of my coaches over the years probably wanted to tell me to go try one just because they were sick to death of me. <laughs> like, you can go try one now and hurt yourself and come back. That'd be great. Um, well, it's like going back to Alyssa Liu and um, that Sports Illustrated article. Um, there was one quote where she was like, the quad lads just feels like a triple to me, right? And it's... And it's easy. Yeah. It's, it's easy, which is insane on the face of it. Yeah, it's just, like you said, they don't really know better. 
just pull in, right? I don't think she has a concept of, of what she means to U.S. ladies figure skating right now. Um, Not fully. I, yeah. And I don't, I, I, I don't expect that she will until she's in the thick of it and has, and is learning in her own way. Um, if I was going to, you know, pair her up with somebody to chat with about like long-term development and keeping your head on your shoulders, I might say, Hey, you know, you should probably go talk to Michelle Kwan because I feel like <laughs> Alyssa is going to be around for some time at 13 years old. We've got her, even if she just sticks around until she's done high school. And maybe gives it one more year after, like, after that. I mean, you've got six years. Yeah. Six more years of Alyssa Lou, barring, I mean, touch wood, no injuries. Um, and I think the sky's the limit with, with that, is that you can see in the next six years, you're going to see a shift in the sport where these young kids who don't know, didn't know any better or don't know any better right now, are breaking these these walls down that we've had it for almost forty years now. Oh yeah, these these uh, the idea that a quad actually is, getting close to fifty. Nineteen, yeah. I mean, we haven't really seen a lot of uh, like. I mean, it's been progressive. Well, because you, you were saying a lot. The first lot was, was 77 or 78, 78, which means, I mean, I'm assuming the other ones, the other triples were a bit before that. So in the 70s, we'll say, we're almost 2020. Yeah. So we're, I mean, 40 and change yeah. years, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was the, it was in the 60s. We had, um, the early 60s, we had Peter Burka doing triple sows. I mean, there's some debate about who did it first. Uh, there's there's a European uh, who allegedly did it at Europeans earlier than Petra, but I mean, we're talking about the early '60s now, so yeah, like 50 years of that, and then we're just breaking down quads like they're you know going out of style. Now. <laughs> yeah, like the the development before was so slow, but everything is coming so fast and furious now for kids. Um, like it's just it's crazy, it's crazy how fast it's moving. Um, yeah, I'm 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 excited to see where lady quads go. I'm excited to see where the the men's quads go. Yeah, because well, things I have mean, kind of tightened up a bit. Things, we've like, we've seen all the quads now. Right, there's no quad that hasn't been done, with also, the exception of the quad axle. Yeah, which we're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep track of, guys. If if we see it, if it shows up on Instagram or on the internet, <laughs> and we find it, we're gonna talk about it. I mean, we're not gonna try one. That would just be insane. But we're gonna talk about it. Um, yeah, I think I think there's 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 going to be some development there, but I think what's going to happen with the men's skating is in change. They're going to um, we're going to see more attempts at two quads in the short. It became all the rage for a while. It's kind of come back in the field a bit, but it's it's almost really calculated in how they do it. Yeah, well, I mean. I know it was a big thing before, and then they changed the rules a little bit, or the scoring, I mean, mm -hmm. um, where they made quads less points, so it wasn't as worth the risk. So then they went, you know what, I'll go for the safe triple-triple, second half of the program, get that 10% bonus. Um, or we're going to start seeing the quad-quad. The 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, eight revolutions over the course of two jumps that happen in less than 10 seconds would be absolutely insane. I can imagine the points on that. Oh. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think the, the thing that we need to be wary of is that it's probably going to have to happen in a free skate. Um, definitely probably going to happen in a free skate first, just because... There's um, too much risk uh, required in the short program. You put yourself so far down the, uh, the table if you miss it. Yes. Um, but I think what we're going, like, the, the thing is, is that the ISU at present only has point scoring up to a certain, uh, certain point. And they have, they have rules set in place. I mean, even in Canadian skating, um, I remember Gogolev in a short program, um, as a novice skater, did a triple triple and didn't get the points for it. They had to review it. Um, one of our our mutual friends is a, um, a a caller for the events, and they had to review the rules because there wasn't the allotment or the allow they didn't allow triple triple combinations in the short program in novice. <laughs> so it was almost like we were handcuffing their you know like this kid could do it, and we were just saying, well, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like in junior. Um, I think this is what I I think this is why we've been seeing it is that they're not allowed to do the quad in the short program. Even in senior, actually. Um, no, no, they're not allowed to do a quad combination in the junior events. This is why the the Russian oh, girls keep oh, doing yes. triple ups, triple toe, their triple flip, their double axle is because there's just no yes, there's no opening correct. for them to do a quad in the short program. So I think those doors are going to start changing as well. Um, they're going to start looking at how many are doing and is it appropriate that we change that? And I understand that they're always looking at the best interest of the athlete over the long term. And if we start putting pressure on them and opening that door, is it going to help them or is it really a hindrance? So I feel like they're going to experiment with that sooner than later because I think the sport is just moving so big, like, we talked about quads in the men's event being pretty much through the whole thing. And I think that we're going to start seeing that the ladies event, that becomes more and more the, the case. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as far as like the development, juniors, they should probably change for that quad combination. I mean, they're doing two, three, four quads and long anyways. I mean, um, for, for the men, yeah, yes. the, the ladies, I think, they, and again, if you're going to change the men, change the ladies. I think the rules should probably be identical. Yes. It shouldn't be like, <laughs> well, in a ladies event, we only do double axel. You can't, you don't have the option to try a triple. <laughs> um, they have the option to try the triple in the, the junior men's event. They should have the same option as, as you know, in junior ladies. Um, I know in senior, it's the same, but again, I think that we need to maybe open some doors, mm -hmm. see what happens there. But I don't know about novice, if we should open up those doors yet. Um, maybe not to the quad. <laughs> Definitely not to the quad. Maybe not to the quad, but I think we need to recognize that if we're going to give kids the opportunity to test out these toys that they've learned and that they can play with, a triple-triple combination isn't the, you know, isn't the end of the world now there. I like, like I feel about double jumps, 
you know, these are parlor tricks now. They're just they're goofy little things that we can do. Um, and some, I, from what I understand, there are places that don't even teach single jumps. They start with double jumps. <laughs> I'm going to guess somewhere in Russia. Um, <laughs> somewhere in Russia, they don't teach single jumps. They teach those as a walkthrough tool to start doing doubles. Um, but, yeah, the... I think I think opening up the triple triple combination in the short program to novices, it it helps drive the sport forward because I think so many times we we only think as far as well the rules allow us, and sometimes we need to, to think bigger. Had you know, Kurt Browning didn't think about you know the rules or history or anything, um, and it wasn't something his coach pushed. It was something that he pushed, and then he took it to his coach and said, "Hey, can you have a look at this?" And was pretty darn close, and that's when they started to work on it together in earnest. Um, but see, I'm I'm thinking more of a pair standpoint because I'm a pair boy. So that's my first thoughts. Um, I mean, triple triple in men's not too harmful. I mean, you see a lot of novice men doing triple triples anyways in the free program. Yeah. Um, so I could see that being okay, but I know from pairs we're only allowed to do double twist and double throw in the mm. short uh me and my partner when we won we did have triples uh but i think that's a good place to set the limit for pairs pairs is always kind of a different beast yeah um because we don't always get the strongest single skaters interested <laughs> in doing pairs at the same time you and, know, well, a lot of guys, they'll start at pre-novice or novice, and they're not the biggest guys to start with. I know when I started Paris, I was a stick. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's also, also in relationship to the age, <laughs> which, is, which is part and parcel of when you start in, in those younger developmental ages, you're physically developing still. So things like lifting and twisting, I think they're trying to um, tee up that it's not going to be as harmful boy it's harmful to the girl when you think about a twist the fact that you're supposed to catch her <laughs> you know that that impact on the body over and over and over again not to mention cody you've worked on a triple twist yeah how how's your head doing you know what i've actually never been gone elbow to the head so for, um, for those been, of you who yeah. don't know um when you're learning some of these tricks, the triple twist is particularly dangerous. Twist is dangerous in general. Um, as you skate backwards on the ice, you throw your partner in the air, uh, almost like a Lutz takeoff, and you, you turn, you push your partner as the boy, you drive her up into the air, she starts spinning, and you're supposed to catch her and set her down. Now, if your partner is really smart, and clearly, Cody, you had a great partner, uh, you know, <laughs> She, she learned to keep her elbows in. I had a great partner uh, when I was learning to do triple twist. Um, the first partner that I got to learn that with, she, she just forgot her elbow. One time. <laughs> One time. And I had a black eye for about a week. Because um, as that rotational force is coming down, she had an elbow that clocked me square in the head. And uh, yeah, it, like, so from that standpoint, I get maybe cutting that back because I was also in my 20s when I learned to do triple twist I came to pairs very late so I was physically more mature but if you're talking about very young kids like kids in their you know 
mid to early teens. Well, we we just saw a team. I believe they're like sixteen, seventeen. They're working on Triple Twist, right? Yeah, but maybe not with the same pressure of having it needed needed no, in the short program. No, exactly. And I think that's the idea: is that if you want to work on it for the free skate, absolutely, by all means, that opens that door for you. But I think in at the novice level, what they're trying to say is, don't feel the pressure to have this just yet, especially from a physical development standpoint. There's there's just a lot of damage that can be done, especially because if the boy gets skittish to catch after getting hit in the head a number of times, catching that girl might not be his biggest priority. His own self-preservation uh, might kick in, and that's not what you want either. You want him to feel confident and strong to go and catch that girl. Her safety's got to be uh, first. Always. When you've, when you've put her in the air like that, and you don't want to create a negative feeling for that kid while he's trying to figure it out. But that also comes back to uh, good coaching, recognizing it's an appropriate time to start, things like that. So I think from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's crucial that the coach make that decision. But I think from the Skating Federation standpoint and, and the ISU standpoint, they're saying, you know what, we'll just we'll cut that back. Um, but these are all great developmental questions that we have. Unfortunately, I can't really speak to ice dance. I, I think... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know enough about ice dance to know what they're not allowed to do at those younger levels. And I know, um, I know that their lifts are restricted, but I don't know enough about them. Well, a lot of the younger levels, well, up to now, they still do the pattern dances, right? So, yes. yes they so do. there is restriction there of obviously what they can do. <laughs> um, I mean, I know their free, free dances don't have as many lifts and everything. I mean, partly due to time, partly due to probably age and ability. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think there's something about the lifts, though. It's how they're executed. I think they're allowed to do certain lifts, but it's, like, how high up, um, like, is it, are they, they're not rotational lifts at a certain point. Like, I think, I think there are some, some rules there. I may or may not go digging to find out those answers. Uh, I'd have to find the right person to be able to explain that to me. Um, who could do it in, in such a way that I'd actually actually retain the information. Because um, sometimes the mind is like a vault and sometimes <laughs> it's just like a, a sieve and stuff goes flying through. Um, I may be wrong about this, but I spent a lot of time around dance. Uh, when I was in Montreal, I used to mm -hmm. train with dancers and we do have a quite successful dance team. Uh, I wouldn't say where we train, but I've trained with them a mm -hmm. lot. Um, I believe for novice, you you only have um, a straight line left, or I don't, know, I don't know what you would say, but a non-rotational one. Non-rotational, yeah. In the free dance, but in the short dance, not the short dance, sorry, the patterns, you're mm -hmm. allowed one rotational? Well, pattern dances are, are prescribed dances. I mean, you got, like, you're... I, I, yeah. I meant, like, they have their entries and their exits, right, that they do for their dances. They do... They have like their little entry, they do two patterns, and then they do an exit. I think those are stylistic choices. I don't think they usually incorporate but, lifts. There's no, not usually, but there's certain stuff you can and can't do. I believe a rotation is allowed there. Something for us to dig into. We need to find a dancer. No. Okay. If you're I a could dancer, be completely wrong. 
If you're a dancer and you're listening to this, I would love for you to send us an email at ptkcpod at gmail.com and read us the riot act, tell us where we're wrong, fix our brains, we'd appreciate it, because um, it's not something we typically deal in. Um, and hey, if you've got great information, you want to come and join us and sit down and explain it, I mean, we are happy to, to have you on and uh, to share in that conversation. Um, yeah, there's, there's some cool development happening, though. Some very, very cool development happening in the sport, and I'm hoping that the rules don't don't stifle that. I think that... I, I'm hoping that they're getting ready to open up some of these things. Um, more so on the ladies' side, not so much on the men's. I think they've opened up men's appropriately, um, but I don't think that they've done it um, in a gender-equal way. Um, and possibly in junior, I think that... We, we can start to see that open up as well. I yeah. hope that we can start to see that open up. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, there's some exciting stuff happening and we'll, we'll get to that. Hopefully we'll have some more uh, fun training stuff. I think people have kind of taken a little bit of a break. They're getting programs ready. They're getting, uh, they're getting themselves going. And I don't think anybody wants to show something well, it's, mid-process. It's show season two, so there's... Well, show season's actually just finishing up um, for most of the skaters, unless you're like on Stars on Ice or some of these big ones. Stars on Ice is just wrapped, both in the United States and in Canada. Then I was... Yeah, so, so show season is done. So it's time to get back to work, and, yeah. and hopefully we'll see some great stuff with, uh, with all the hard work that people are putting in. And... Uh, We'll have some, hopefully, some more cool Instagram stuff uh, to chat about uh, next go round. When we come back after a quick break here, uh, we're gonna find out about my co-host. We're gonna find out about uh, his experience and uh, and his influences in skating. And uh, stick around so that we can share that with you. Okay. Now to learn a little bit about my co-host. Hi. Cody, uh, you and I got to know each other, what, what five, five uh, six years ago? I would say just under five now. Five, six years ago, you moved from, from Montreal. Is that where you were before? Yes. So you moved from Montreal to come to Cambridge to train with us. Um, you moved here for a girl. Yep. To skate with, not, <laughs> not for you know any romantic entanglement. Um, but you moved here to, to skate pair. Um, and that's kind of when I started to get to know you, but I'm thinking I want to go back a little further. I want to get to know about little Cody and when <laughs> little Cody, what made little Cody go figure skating? That's a thing I got to do. Yeah. Well, um, my parents put me in it cause my sister skated, um, obviously with the intention of just learning to skate or possibly hockey, you know? The usual typical route. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a great Canadian story. I learned to figure or I learned to skate just because my mom and dad wanted me to learn to play hockey. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it was just something I enjoyed and never stopped. Right, there was always, oh, do you want to go play hockey? Eh, whatever. You know, I just liked what I was doing, stuck to it, and then mm. at at one point I found some success. You know, I was like, oh, I could do an axle. Which is always like a big exhilaration. You see, oh, I'm I'm turning, I'm landing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and um, 
just never stopped from then. Do you remember, like, one of your first programs? <sighs> I think my very first program was Casper, you know, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost. From, like, like the cartoon or, like, like music from, like, the movie with, like, Christina Ricci? I want to say music from the movie. Okay. Um... Do, do you remember anything, like, that you did in it? Was there, like, you had a cool moment? Did you, like, were you doing axles at that point? Or you were just... Definitely not doing axles at that point. No? Um, but I actually, I don't remember much from it. I just remember I was tiny. I had one of those big, big flowing white shirts, you know, the ones... Jerry all, Seinfeld's pirate shirt. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and um, I had my glasses, my round head, and I... Kind of looked like Casper, you know, he's Casper's small ghost, and I had a round head. Well, big. most people do, yeah. Well, I mean, it was like a ball. Okay. Yeah, it was really round. Um, and, um, yeah, that was funny. I mean, I remember having a tango program not too long after. Mm-hmm. That was like, ooh. It was all like, mature. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you get excited because it's a mature program, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, I remember one of the stories from that, my favorite story to tell actually from that one is, um, obviously I wore a dress shirt. Mm-hmm. It was black with like red, I won't say sparkles, but red like dots, like they're shiny. Uh, not quite sequins. It was like painted on. Okay. Um, and everyone's like, oh, I like your shirt. Like, where'd you get it from? And I'd have to say this with a straight face. My mom got it from winners in the women's section. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you said it with a straight face, not like not thinking much about it. Just you didn't have to tell them that piece. I well, I learned early on um, to just own all the um, femininity. I don't know if that's a word in figure skating. Not to fight it, you know. As we like to always get a figure skate. I don't think that's necessarily true, but, no, no. but you, you have to own the fact that it's unique. Yes. You have to own the fact that, yeah, it's a little bit different, and some of the stuff that we do to fit in and, like, within the sport doesn't always, doesn't always mesh, right? But I think that, yeah, you, gotta, you have to be able to own it. And when you own it, that's, that's really when you come out uh, of your shell and things start to progress. So if there's a message for little guys out there who are, you know, just learning to skate and they're, you know, feeling a little self-conscious, just own it. You know what? I mean, don't, the the more you try and hide from it or try and, you know, like feel a little bit of ashamed about it, you know, it, it it's harder to, to defend yourself. But if you be like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this and I'm working on these things and you know what? It's a thing I'm doing. Don't worry about it. It. It gets easier. It gets easier if you can own it. So totally, yeah. Learn from Cody's shirt, <laughs> the women's section. It's all good. I bet you look like dashing. Oh like, yeah, like, it was like, great. Super cool. You still, have, mom still has pics at home, doesn't she? Uh definitely. Definitely somewhere up on the mantle. There's a little Cody in his in his <laughs> ladies' dress shirt, tangoing it up. Um, so you can remember some of your early prayers. Like, do you remember how old you were when you got your first axle? Oh. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I don't quite remember. I want to say grade like five, 
don't know. What is it? Pretty like almost grade 10? five, six. Yeah, so ten, somewhere eleven, like, I guess. Somewhere nah, in that ballpark. I feel like a little older than that, like eleven, twelve. Sure. Ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere around there. Kindergarten's grade five. Or sorry, no, kindergarten's not grade five. Kindergarten, you're like five years. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say like ten, eleven, twelve. I probably got it. I mean, I probably started at 10 and finally got it at 12. It, I mean, it is a hurdle to get over. Oh, yeah. That one took me a long time. When we start talking about, like, more rotation than a half a turn in the air, yeah, it starts to get... To... And, and the forward takeoff, really. Oh, well, there's a lot of people that don't love that thing, but you know what? I mean, I would say 20 years to figure out that forward takeoff. And you're still playing around with it to this day. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's certainly not a fun one. But do you remember anything like double jumps? What was your first double jump that you got? Oh, I went pretty much in order for double jumps. You know, style, then toe, then loop, then flip, then lutz. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not like a prescri- It's not a total, like, you have to do it in that order. But, like... It's usually it's, a typical order. It's a pretty um, typical developmental order. Only because the axle, style, and toe move left to right so they're all very similar the same takeoffs and yeah and then the the lut, loop flip luts are all right foot up into the air landing on right foot so you you know you're not messing around too much but yeah i mean all the doubles came pretty pretty easily like i wouldn't say easily but same time for me it wasn't like okay one year i got style one year i got toe it was all like it kind of just came together mashed up over like what two three years Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So yeah. how old were you when you start getting your first double axle? Uh, ooh. Trying to jog the brain now. Um, I want to say 14, 15. Yeah, it's not a bad time to get it. I mean, yeah. 14, 15, you're starting to get some power, some confidence. I mean, I mean, you think about that 14, 15, so it's been about four-ish years to go from single axle to double axle, get everything in between. Yeah. Um, when did you first find, like, your... Like, what was your first big success that you were, like, totally jacked up about? Probably my triple lots. Yeah? Um, well, it's, season was one of those, you know, the big ones, you know. You see the all the senior skaters do it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it came easily to me, but that was, I would say, my second triple. Okay, what was the first? Sal. Sal first, then Sal. triple lutz. Yeah. Just forget all the others in between. <laughs> forget the order I learned everything, my doubles, all of my doubles in. You're just going, I'm going bottom to top. I'm just okay. jumping the whole board. Well, I think we, we mentioned this in the last podcast. Lutz is my favorite jump, right? Yeah. So it, it kind of made sense, you know. I like doing the double. It was, it developed nicely. So I went for the triple, and one of the success, had success in it. Um, so that was, yeah, one of the big ones I was like, oh, yes, you know, yeah. like. What about competition-wise? What was, like, their first big success where you, you started to go, okay, I can, I can keep doing this? Well, I mean, as a guy, um, you don't have as much competition as girls. Um, so usually there was only, like, two, three guys per competition. So, you know, I always have a medal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one where I was, like, really, like, proud about, I guess. Um, probably one of, like, the provincial ones, um, in, like, prelim, where there was more than five guys, you yeah. know. Um, where did you finish? You know, I can't remember. 
I honestly can't yeah, remember. You just remember that it was a good event? Yeah, I remember doing well enough, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I can mm. do this. All right. So, do you remember how old you were when you first competed at sectionals? I mean, Quebec sectionals are kind of a different bird yeah. from, like, what I remember in Ontario, but... Um, yeah. My first sectionals was juvenile. Um, I believe I was probably 14. So getting close to that double axle, if you don't already have it. Yeah, like I had started working on it. Obviously, wasn't going to be put in program or anything. Wasn't Mm -hmm. nearly as ready. But I was juvenile 14. Um, I believe they had 22 guys. That's, you know, that's a big event. Yeah, it was, well, it was the first time I had double digits, pretty much. Mm Mm-hmm. It was an eye-opener. I mean, I probably placed, like, 10, something like that, mid-pack. And it was like a, oh, skating's not, there's, well, I won't say hard, but there's... There's more than you. Yeah. There's, there's you know, you get accustomed as a, as a young man to not having that many guys hanging around in your events. So, you know, coming up with hardware at the end of the events, you know, just, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But then you start to, you know, your eyes open when you get into something like... Sectionals. Sectionals, for those of you who uh, who aren't aware, is um, is a qualifying event. So it begins the process of uh, moving on to a national level. It's the first round of um, of competition where they start saying, "Okay, so you're moving on to the next round," and then the next round at that time, I believe, would have been challenge. That's what they called it in your day. Um, actually at that one, it was, it was junior nationals. So you guys it was, went... It was straight to junior nationals. Straight to junior nationals, which... For juvenile. At, at, at 10, you didn't qualify for. Or at 10th, you didn't no, qualify No, they for. only took top two. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly an eye-opener. You moved right up to pre-novice after that? Yes, uh, right up to pre-novice. Um, didn't do too well. I mean, again, like 20... Odd guys. Quebec's pretty um, big. Quebec, yeah, they were. There's always been a large amount. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest sections. I mean, I'd say Ontario is bigger, but at the time it was split into four. Yeah, it was right. The old, so you uh, would have northern, western, eastern, and central Ontario. Yeah, so you now, didn't have that numbers, but now that everything's yeah. together, you're seeing those numbers here. Even actually more, but um, yeah, there was like twenty something odd guys. Um, Again, finished mid-pack. They only took eight that year. Yeah. Um, I believe I did two years pre-novice, two years novice, two years junior, one year senior in and my competitive career. So when did you did you ever get out of sectionals? Like Yeah. So what, what it was, was always... First, what was your first time getting out of sectionals? My second year pre-novice. Second it was always pre-novice. the second year. Oh. Yeah. I, I would always finish like ninth, so I would just miss it, you know, every time. But that the the first year, um, but yeah, every second year. So second year pre novice, second year novice, second year junior, made it to challenge, made it to nationals. So pre novice, they finish. They they would finish their nationals. Their nationals would be challenge at the time. Or did you actually get another event? Did you no, go to junior no, that, nationals? That was when they went to the system. Now where it's yeah, they just finished at challenge. Okay, so. You get to you get to your first national level, in pre novice. Yes. How you know what was that like? Um, 
for it you, was, like for your experience with like were you were you going in like totally juiced up like I'm going in, like were you thumping your chest I mean I know that's not typically your personality <laughs> but like were you like were you so jazzed up you're like oh this is my time baby I almost didn't know what to expect I mean I had I skated with skaters who like went to nationals and did a couple internationals and stuff mm-hmm. um, so like they would kind of tell me how it goes and everything but like I it was my first one, right? So I didn't know what to expect. Mm. Um, I mean, made a ton of friends. I thought it was super fun. Um, I was a bonus that I did well there. Mm-hmm. Um, did well? What do you mean, did well? Like, you I mean, skated well? You placed well? Uh, placed well for, like, what I was aiming for and skated well. Okay. Um, I believe I came ninth. So, like, cracking top ten. Well, that was my the aim. Top 10 in your world, yeah. Top, yeah. 10, top yeah. 10 in your level in, oh, in your country, I, yeah. I'm in a country, not world, but we, yes. We've been talking about that world stage all, you know, earlier today, but yeah. So, I mean, cracking top 10 in your country, it's like, you can go home and, again, you can own that. Like, people are like, oh, there's Cody. Cody's doing his figure skating. Yeah. And like, listen, I was top 10 <laughs> elemental group here. Not that you say it like that. You're like, I was top 10 in my country. Yeah. So, you know, shush. <laughs> I'm sure those were your exact words. You're very polite about it. Um, <laughs> so, so you get, so then you go back. Was it hard not qualifying the next year moving up to novice? Like if you just missed it, like, was that harder on you to not make it knowing what nationals was like? It it was pretty hard because, you know, you always want to try and reach the, the highest state you can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it was especially heartbreaking because I was, I want to say, seventh in the short. Oh, so you were in there. Yeah, I moved down to ninth in the long. Oh. And it was one of those, like, like nail biters. It was, like, one point. Oh, right? yeah. Um, but, I mean, I look back at it now, and there was actually some names that I competed against that's, like... I wouldn't be disappointed. Like, I wouldn't, like... No, you're not names, disappointed. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'll, I'll sweep up the floor when you're done. Um, but if you want to drop names, like, who who are you, like, who are you competing against at that point that you know you're like, uh, yeah, now looking back on it, I mean, <laughs> those kids are... Well, I mean, there was Nick Nadeau, right? Yeah. Um, former, former junior world silver medalist. Yeah. I mean... Kid Rocks, I think he's got like three different quads. I I've seen, yeah, I think I've seen him do all all the quads. To be honest with you, um, yeah. Except Sal, I don't think I've seen him do Sal, but I no, his Instagram, he's got a Sal. He's oh, okay, done, then he's I've done seen quad him do toe, all... triple toe on his Instagram, and he's got a quad loop that he's posted. Yeah, I haven't seen the lots. I've quad. seen lots and flip on like people's Instagrams and stuff, um, or Snapchat. Yeah, um, hasn't pulled. As many of those out yet yeah, in competition. No, but... But, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you look skate. at it. He's a, he's a junior national champion. I mean, junior world medalist. The, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Anybody else? Any other names um, that you look at and you're like, oh. Or, like, maybe just names that have sort of passed us by now. And, oh, I mean, there's Bennett Toman. Um, yeah. He's, he's still skiing senior. He has a couple of quads in his arsenal as well. Yeah, he's. I think he's training out of Ontario now. Yeah, he's in Oakville. Oakville. Yeah, yeah. Um, another very accomplished young man in the, in the sport. That, that like that's it. Just those um, couple guys or or. I mean, there was Matthew Ostigi. You know, he does pairs he's, now. He's, he's now in a junior, you know, circuit. junior well, circuit. Well, he was. He's going moving up to senior now. Yep. 
Um, I mean, there's a few other names that I can't remember. Oh, um, Nicholas Tondro L.A. I don't know if you no, know that name. No, not a familiar name to me. Um, he was always people. he was always famous coming out of Quebec because he had a quad toe, right? And he was coming with a quad toe in junior. Um, never really made a name for himself, like, internationally or, I would say, past Quebec. I mean, in Canada he did um, because he had a quad toe. But in that junior, was, like, his yeah. claim to fame, right? Yeah, Quadrone Junior. Cool. I Still, mean, it's I, great. I it. I mean, that's that's an accomplishment to have a quad. Period. Yeah. Um, but to have it in junior, is pretty good in Canada. I'm, and I'm, we're talking about like, let's go back. Let's rewind the clock. How long ago were we talking about? Like, when you were competing against these guys, so you're you're talking about like your first year in novice. Yeah. Um, Where does that put us? Like, put us on the timeline. I did juvenile fourteen. <laughs> uh, see, that makes. I definitely did juvenile younger than that. Then, Cause that does not make sense. I was seventeen novice. No. I I want to say like sixteen, fifteen. Let's work backwards. When did you come to Ontario? I came to Ontario when I was nineteen. That was my second year. Nineteen. What year? What was the year here? Uh, two thousand fourteen. 2014. Okay, so in 2014 you came here at 19, and you were still competing junior, if I'm not mistaken. That was my second year junior. Second year junior. So, let's go backwards. 2014. Let's go two years back. Three years back. Puts us in your first year novice. So that's 16. Yeah. So you'd be 16 years old in your first year novice, but three years back from there. Puts you in 2011. Yeah. And for those of you thinking about it, 2011, that was like Patrick's first world championship title. Um, that, was, <laughs> that was right after he finished the Vancouver Olympics saying, I don't think you need a quad to win. And Evan Lysacek proved it. Yeah. Um, so having a quad in junior in 2011 was like hot stuff. Well, he didn't have it then. I mean, he had it a couple years later, but... Still. Yeah. We're, we're not far removed from that. That was back when, like, Chitty was doing them at Worlds, and he was, like, one of a few who yes. was rocking them solid. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for a junior guy in... Let's, let's move forward two years and say 2013 to have a quad toe. Yeah, that's pretty BA. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you compete against these guys. You don't get through... Um, you go back to the drawing board for another year, uh, and you get through in novice, and then again you have the same experience in junior. First year junior, not what you expect. Is it harder the second time to feel that? Again, are you looking because you're growing up in the same pack of guys? It's starting to make more sense. Um, that was actually more of a. I had started pairs by then. Mm-hmm. It was more of like a. I think I. Compared my first year pairs, actually, that year. Nope. 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 Um, I actually didn't compare pairs that year at all. <laughs> but I had done pairs for a year or two by then. Um, I was thinking that's probably the route I wanted to take, so it wasn't too disappointing missing out yeah. for the singles part again. I mean, I obviously was still giving my all in singles and still wanting to reach that level, but I wasn't disappointed you kind of saw the, the landscape for yourself shifting going 
this is I'm doing this to maintain some skills and some ability, but really the focus is going to shift soon, and and that's cool. Who was your first pair partner? Um, a girl named Emily Lemay. Um, we did pre novice pair, um, half a year in novice. Um, split half year. which sp- half? The first half or first, the second? First half. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to get into the gritty details. No. Um, I I believe I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. At the time, 16, 17, I want to say 17, at the time when we started. Um, and I know you said you started pace late. I feel like that was late because that was earlier than you, and I still feel I was late. Yeah, getting pairs, I think if we could start getting some of those kids, you know, basics when they're 10, 11, even 12, start them at 12, because there's stuff that can be learned there that, you know, cues kids up. They're, they, you got to remember that it's, it's a marathon, this sport. It's, it's not a sprint. It's not, you don't just magically sprint from the bottom to the top. Um, it, it, requires, it requires some time to learn things, and, and Paris is certainly one of those. So you, did, you competed for two years, or you trained for two years as a pre-novice and half a year novice, and then that partnership dissolves. And when do you make the the decision to start looking outside of Quebec, or are you still looking inside Quebec? I was originally just looking inside Quebec. Um, I had, I I I would go to Barry every so often, um, to train singles. You know, great singles coaches there. Um, Lee Barkell was still there. Lee Barkell was uh, still there. The Michelle Lee was still there. Doug Lee was, uh, you know, created that school with you know. Uh, Brian Orser uh, yeah. as a student back in the in the eighties, and then you know brings through Elvis Stoiko, Takeshi Honda, Jeff Buttle, uh, Chris Maybe, a litany of very talented I mean skaters, and that's just men's singles. I mean, there's, yes, there's more, so many more. Oh, and ladies pairs even um, dance. I mean, they have a Megan prolific dance school. Megan. Day. Hamill spent some time there for a while. Yeah, with Ryan Arnold. We talked about them a bit last last podcast. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, lots of people have gone there. So you did some time coming back and forth to Barrie? Yeah, I spent some time there, uh, like a week at a time, just training, kind of getting my triples consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was there, someone happened to mention, because they knew I did pairs, they happened to mention someone who was looking for a pair partner. Right. And I went, you know what? Why not? You know, I'm here anyways. I wasn't looking to come to move, mm-hmm. but I'm here anyways. Let's just see how it goes. You know, ended up going pretty yeah. well. Um, and I kind of, I wouldn't say made like a, a rash decision, but just decided went, I'll just move here. You know, I was, yeah, like I said, 17 at the time. She was only 15. So it made more sense for me to move. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. And um, so who was who was this next girl that you skated with? Uh, Renata Wong. Yeah. Right. Um, and yes. Yes. Same last name. No, no relation. <laughs> and and I, I remember Cody coming to the rink and starting to work with Renata. And the joke was that two Wongs don't make a right. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, we, we had a little bit of fun uh, with with them. Renata stayed around for, I think it was a year, a year and a half? Or was it just the it year? It was just the year. Just, just the year. year. Um, and that's when you came and you started training uh, with us in Cambridge. 
and that was uh, I'm sure like culture shock, like just a different environment, different uh, training center, yeah, or, um, or sort of similar because you trained with dancers before. I mean, sort of similar because I mean, you can only go so different in like high competitive mm-hmm. training schools. Um, I mean, obviously, there's so much that can be different still, but um, the biggest difference was training around plenty of pairs. Because at that time, sorry, ooh, at that time, we had like eight or nine pair teams. Yeah, it was. Um, it was pretty healthy. Yeah, so we had a uh, large amount of pair teams here, and that was the biggest. Like, whoa, okay, that's cool. Um, you got some like, dogs to chase. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I trained around dancers a lot so I mean I'm used to there being teams but they're way different yeah you know um just in the way they train the ice coverage yeah uh, and everything you know um I've trained around other teams before but nothing like seven eight other teams yeah sharing the ice with with that many pair teams on practice can get uh can get challenging and it's certainly an eye opener when you're like I'm trying to figure this out and they're flying past me. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think uh I I remember I remember that that partnership and you coming in and you, you settled in pretty quick. And uh and so that partnership with Renata that lasted a year. Yeah. Um and then we played the partner shuffle game and you found a new partner. Yeah. Um it was actually another girl from the skating school. Mm-hmm. Um, they had just split. She was, I wouldn't say actively looking for a partner, but um, she wasn't going to say no if the right opportunity came up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had some tryouts. I had had tryouts before then. I went, you know what? I'm just going to ask her, you know, why not? And then it worked out and everything went on from there. <laughs> yeah, uh that was that was Jamie. You yeah, guys got that was Jamie. You guys got was it two or three years together? Two. Two years pretty two pretty successful years. I mean uh <laughs> when you consider I mean at this point you've been skating pairs for maybe three years. Yeah. We'll call it three years, year and a half, a year. Yeah, so three years. So you put in a year with Jamie and you go on to win a novice national title. Yeah. You set a record score for uh, for that age group. Yeah, at the time, yeah. At the time, um, like we've talked about before, it's since been broken, but at the time, that's a big deal. Um, yeah, because the record hadn't been broken for 10 years prior. And it was set by um, another pair who trained in the same center at the time. Um, it was originally set... Oh, no, no sorry, no, no. it wasn't. No. Um, I think you're thinking of the pre-novice record. Uh, it was actually set by Kira and Dylan Moscovich. Yes. Yes, no, I was thinking that before before Kira and Dylan, it was uh, it was set by by Zoe and Ian. But that's that's a pre-novice. It's the pre-novice record. Yeah, that one's yes. not going to be touched. That one's... Well, there's there's rules that have changed since then. They used to do three lifts. Yeah. You can't, you can't compare apples to apples anymore. Yeah. That's not fair. But yeah, so you you shatter a record by Dylan Moskovich, who at this point is is a uh, a, a former national pair champion with Kirsten. Yeah. Um, that was in two thousand and 
14 or 15? I believe that was 15. 15. So he's since moved on. Yeah. Uh, and is working with Luba at this point. But there's, um, you know, you're talking about a very accomplished pair skater oh, that yes. you just broke a record for. That's got to be <laughs> exciting. Um, maybe not something that you had considered at the time. I don't know. Oh, it was definitely not on our radar. I mean, we didn't win challenge that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Which was, is the, the, the event after sectionals that yes. sort of tees up, you know, The nationals. preview for nationals. It's, um, it, it's usually, in the singles events, it's where you end up cutting a few more bodies out. Yeah. Because each province is allowed their, their allocation of skaters, but then at challenge, it's, okay, we need to get this number down to a, a single event where we can run it. So they're trying to get it down to, like, 16 teams. And, yeah, in pairs, that's not usually the case. We don't usually have that to do that. <laughs> yeah. It is a nice preview for what's going on. And, and it, again, a great chance to go out there and, and work with your nerves and work with your, your content and see where you stack up. Yeah, and we had started late, so it definitely was not on our radar. We weren't even thinking of winning. We were just trying to, you know, be top three, you know, be up there, prove that, you know, we're here to we're here to do business, you know. Um, and then you know, results came out for the short. We we're in the lead. We were surprised, mm-hmm. um, but definitely wasn't anywhere close to record. Um, well, I mean, it's the short part. There's only a small well, portion of it, right? Well, I mean, you would, you would, you would look. I this is, I did this afterwards. I looked look scores comparatively to previous years, and we didn't even have close to the highest short program score. So you're not thinking that that's a thing. You're just like, okay, well, we're in the lead. That's, that's good enough yeah, for now. Yeah, like we're going to try and keep it. How are the nerves like going into something like that where you didn't expect to win, you're leading, and you're going, okay, just, is it just keep it together or is it more like, okay, we got to go and attack. We got, we got our own, own job to keep pushing through. Um, I mean, I was surprisingly calm. Um, I know my partner was a little bit nervous. I mean, we played a few hand games to try and get her mind off and keep the nerves down. Um, but it's funny, our coaches, Kevin and Laureen, they asked us right before um, competing, they are like, we had we had a triple twist plan to throw triple sal. Mm-hmm. And they were like, do you want to take one of them out? Um, you know, try and play it safe, try and stay, keep the lead, you know. We had heard the scores before then. Yeah. Um, so it was like we didn't need them necessarily right. to win, you know. Um, they, so they were like, yeah, do you want to take it out? You know, just play it safe. And we kind of looked at each other and we're just like, no, we've been training for this. We're, we're going to do them. Yeah. You know, like I said, it wasn't about breaking records for us. It wasn't about even winning. I mean, you always want to win, you know. But it wasn't about that for us. It was more just showing what we got, you know giving everything we had and I mean we did have a clean skate we I remember working on that throw triple sow it was it was a lot of fun <laughs> uh, it was a lot of work um, at times yeah uh, harness um but y- yeah I, I I remember being very very excited to hear that news that you guys had won um and then I was even more excited to hear that Jamie landed the throw sow yeah um that was, I think, that might have been one of my favorite pieces of news. <laughs> is that not only did you guys go out and do it, you did it, and 
Like it was, it was everything was on the table. Oh yeah, yeah. it was one of the best performances we've done all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and even after that, we weren't thinking anything like world record. We were just yeah hoping for you know higher points than we had last time, last competition. Right. And as soon as they kind of said, I believe we got like seventy nine points in the long. Um, as soon as they said that, we kind of just looked at each other and we we're like, "Did you hear that? Like, was that right?" Yeah, yeah. It was definitely mm. not something we expected. Cool. And then you get another. Uh, you get one more year in junior with Jamie. Yes. You guys get to do your junior Grand Prix in Russia, um, and then that partnership d- dissolves. Yeah. She's decided to move on to. Uh, another aspect of life. Yes. <laughs> she, you know, wanted to put her skates away and, and move on. And I, I, I admire the way that you guys did it. You were very quiet about the whole thing. It was not a, you know, there was no swan song. There was, <laughs> if there were tears, they were done behind closed doors. It wasn't a very public thing. Um, and then you guys, and then so it's, since then you've been working with different people, trying, trying out, uh, trying to find that next partner. Yeah, I haven't competed since. Um, have had tryouts. Um, have had, I guess, kind of failed partnerships uh, Experim- since then. We'll call them experimental. Yeah. Experimental seems so much nicer than <laughs> partnerships. But just stuff where you haven't gotten to the point of actually getting to compete, which, yeah, is is almost like a trial period. You're like, yeah. we oh, okay, we're not going to get that far. All right. <laughs> But yeah, so you're still slugging away. You're still thinking that might happen. But just for a moment, just for fun. Favorite skater? Um, All time or yes. present? I don't care. Uh, Who is the influencer you're like, oh, I love watching that? This one actually might surprise you. Um, of course, now that I need to say it, I'm kind of blanking on the name right now. Um, oh, Daisuke Takahashi. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Um, All time favorite favorite growing up always tried to skate like him because he was so unique Mm -hmm. um he had just such fluidity to his skating such artistry um i mean he had the jumps as well um yeah that certainly didn't hurt yeah um but he just had he brought more to the table than just you know the skate jump skate jump skate jump pose yeah he he definitely one of those guys so that's so that's your your model of like as you're growing up. That's the guy you want to be. Yes. That's. Did you ever have like a pair guy that like you were like, oh, I'd like to be like, or if I could be a pair guy, I want to be like that guy, or did that never actually end up crossing your mind because by the time you got to pairs, you were so much of your own person. Um. Yeah. It never crossed my mind because yeah, like you said, by the time I got to pairs, got serious about it. Um, I was older. Um, not that I didn't try and model some of my skating or pair elements after some people, mm. um, but I wouldn't say I really had a favorite. I mean, if anything, maybe like Dave Peltier, you know, he would be, if you think pair guy, he's probably the um, typical model you would see. He's the textbook guy you want textbook, to be. Yeah. Exactly. He's, um, he's, he, he, I mean, he's had a wonderful career. Um, he was rock solid. Um, I haven't gone back and revisited some of that stuff, but I do remember never, never feeling edgy watching Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, uh, I haven't actually given much thought to that question before I threw it out. There. <laughs> I thought, hey, you know what? Maybe that's, it's important to, to, to dig into. I mean, because we all have our influences. We all have the people that we grow up watching and admiring. And that's how we, we pick and choose the people that we, you know, the styles, the things that we aspire to be. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really interesting. Um, all right. Well, Cody, thanks so much for sharing. Is there anything else you want to tell the lovely folks about yourself? Um, I don't believe so. I think we covered a lot about me. I'm not used to talking this much on the podcast. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that we get to know you a little bit better. I think knowing what Cody appreciates in a skater, like Daisuke Takahashi, um, kind of helps maybe see where he's coming from when he picks his skaters and he, he's deciding, you know, who he thinks is going to win. And maybe you can get a sense of that emotional pit. Um, I, I've been really glad that you've decided to sit down and, and do this podcast with me. So I just want to take a moment of gratitude and say thank you for being my why not guy who sits down <laughs> with me uh, to chat about things. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing so much about yourself. I know you don't usually like to turn that that mirror on yourself to, to have that part of it, but... Um, I think it's been wonderful to, to be able to share that piece. Hopefully uh, we get a little bit more time to share, not just with, with you, but maybe with some other folks uh, from the skating world. And we look forward to doing that. Um, yeah, well, always a pleasure, you know. I mean, we, we have these talks every once in a while, just you and me. So why not put it online anyways? Well, it's out there um, for you guys to listen to. Uh, remember, if you have something you want to let us know, something you think that is just completely wrong that we said, and you want to correct us, uh, again, the email is ptkcpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at picksandtrips. Yeah, you could send us a message there, too, if you think emailing is just something of the past. If you find something that's <laughs> really cool and you think we should see it, um, by all means, let us know. You can send us that. Just DM it right through us. Uh, we would love to get that and uh, and go through it with you. I mean, that's, uh, that's what's great about the world that we live in today. We don't need to be sitting in the same room to have that conversation. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the all of 14 of you, wherever you are in the world. Yeah. And uh, that's it for this time. I'm Billy. I'm Cody. And ice is slippery. <laughs>